0: I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you how your emotions physically affect your body. I'll also be interviewing author, entrepreneur, and abuse survivor, Larry Duchin. Larry reviews his book, A Book on Fear, Feeling Safe in a Challenging World. This book maps out a heartfelt method for overcoming fears and bad memories. For more information about Larry, please visit abookonfear.com or lawrenceduchin.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. How your emotions physically affect your body. In psychology, we teach that whatever you perceive to be true, in other words, what you focus on or what you think is happening, determines how you feel. Those feelings then determine how your body responds. Either you physically do something or your body has a chemical reaction inside of you. And you're gonna hear me speak a little bit more about this later on in the interview. One thing that always makes me chuckle is when I hear people say, real men don't cry. However, when you think of the physiology of that, it actually does not make sense. So using the methodology of what we perceive, feel, do, If you perceive something that's very sad, you feel that depression, you feel that sadness, and that for some people, their body responds by crying. There are actually three different types of tears, and many scientists believe that one version of those tears is full of cortisol or other stress hormones. So when you think about that, all that stress, which is a feeling, now physically turns into something. It turns into cortisol and all the other stress hormones that come along with that. So as you cry, your body is purging itself from all the additional hormones and even toxins that were built up in your body. So when you think of that, that real men don't cry, well, clearly we should reframe that to say healthy men cry. And that's the difference. Another thing to really consider is when you laugh. When you laugh, you're actually strengthening your heart. So think of it this way. You perceive something that is really humorous and you have feelings of joy and happiness and your body responds with laughter. It strengthens the heart muscle. But also that laughter creates what's called natural killer cells. Natural killer cells are essentially The cells that attack any type of tumors or any type of microbial infection that's in your blood, which is pretty cool. Just like you, I like to look at what are all my options when it comes to being a healthier person. So you connect Western medicine with Eastern medicine and you create prevention and health. So I explained to you two ways in which your emotions affect your body. But according to traditional Chinese medicine, and this is really cool, and I definitely recommend that you read more about this, they've linked together emotions with all different types of body parts. For example, anger weakens your liver, grief weakens your lungs, worry weakens your stomach, stress weakens your heart and brain, and fear weakens your kidneys. The cool thing is when you love something, it brings in peace and harmony, which strengthens your mind and your overall body. So think of it that way. Even now as you listen to this, you're perceiving my voice or you're perceiving what I'm saying as causing you to feel a certain way. That feeling then tells your body what to do. So think of that all throughout your day. When you feel something, start to ask yourself, how is this emotion physically affecting my body? And if you don't know what an emotion does to your body, feel free to research that. Remember, the more knowledge you have, the more self-responsibility you create to become the healthiest version of yourself. I have a fantastic interview today with Larry Dutton. He talks about fear itself and how fear impacts so many people. And when you understand how to deal with your fear, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for you. So stay tuned. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is author, entrepreneur, and abuse survivor, Larry Duchin. In today's episode, he reviews his new book entitled, A Book on Fear, Feeling Safe in a Challenging World. In this book, Larry maps out a heartfelt method for overcoming fears and bad memories. Welcome to my show, Larry. Hi, James. Thanks for having me on. I am looking forward to this. We had some technical difficulties in the first round, but we're going to do excellent in the second round. So thank you so much for joining with me once again. Now, I want to jump right into it. So you have done, like I said, so many things in your life. Did you always know that you wanted to become an author?
1: No, you know, actually, I was received this information kind of in, as an inspiration from the universe, uh, call it like a download. So uh-huh. I didn't really set out to be an author, but I knew that this information needed to be a book on fear. So I uh, set, set, set the writing and that's what I did.
0: I know in your life, of course, we will honor your past, uh, but you were as an abuse survivor, I can only imagine how difficult that must have been and how much fear you must have experienced in your life.
1: Yeah. So I was sexually abused by my mother during puberty. It's obviously never a good time Mm. to be sexually abused at at any time, but certainly during puberty, you're going through a lot of life changes Mm -hmm. at that point. So I came out of that experience with a lot of fear, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of anger. Um, And so I didn't really realize until my late 20s or early 30s how that had really create a lot of dysfunction in my life. And then I set out on an emotional healing path. And as I started to go through that path, and and I realized that I had to work through a lot of the fears that were related to uh, what had happened to me.
0: When you were in your 20s and going, I guess, growing up, how did that fear, how did it present itself in your life?
1: Well, I think fear presents itself a lot as anger. Fear can present itself in a lot of ways. But for Most people, when they're angry, are in a a state of fear. You know, um, Carl Jung, who's the father of analytical psychology, says projection is one of the most common phenomenon. So when we're angry, we're often uh, projecting our fear. When we're in judgment of others, we're often projecting our self-judgment. When we're uh, blaming others, we're often projecting our guilt. So, Mm -hmm. you know, usually look behind anger because behind there is fear. It could be, you know, can be grief, it could be judgment, it could be a lot of different things.
0: What I always teach my, my listeners and my, my patients as well is think of, think of anger, as, an anger as, a, as a castle wall. The higher the wall, the more it protects the people on the, on the other side. And the people on the other side is essentially your, your more vulnerable emotions, like your pain, your rejection, your, your fear, your loss, the things we don't want people to, to see. So the more anger, anger you have, that means that's how great the other emotions are in your life as well. So it sounds like we have the same type of understanding of how that looks.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that basically what we want to do is we want to look and say, are we happy with our lives? And if we're not, and I think most people are, if they truly admit it, are not happy with their lives. They want to say, you know, I I want to live a more joy and peaceful life. And and in order to do that, we have to look at what's false within us, our false beliefs, those things that we've created that we do put up as defenses. And then we need to start to to unravel those and look at the beliefs and conditioning that created all of that and say you know, this doesn't serve me anymore. Yeah.
0: I would like to differentiate between the different types of fear. So we know that fear is one of the six primary emotions, and which is the, the healthier version, and then we have the unhealthy version. Will you explain to my listeners the difference between that?
1: Sure. So actually, I call all fear as good because fear is the pointer for us. And so, but certainly there's a certain segment of fear that I, that's embedded in our limbic system that is a cautionary fear. So that is a good fear in terms of us responding to that. For instance, if we have a dog that's growling and charging at us, we want to run. Mm-hmm. If we, you know, if somebody uh, dares us to jump off of a high bridge, we want to do that. So those are good fears. But for most people, especially during these COVID times, we're living in a severe state of psychological fear, paralysis you know, we're we're in a, a, a constant uh, fight or flight state as opposed to our normal resting state. And so most of those psychological fears are things, again, that paralyze us. And, and those, that's not how we're meant to live. So we want to be able to look behind those fears
0: and, and see, see what's behind it. Perfect. Great explanation. So jumping over to your book, once again, a book on fear, feeling safe in a challenging world. What is the premise of this book? Well,
1: the premise of this book is basically to help raise everybody's perspective. You know, for most people, they have their nose pressed against the trunk of the tree. So what we want to do is raise our perspective to a treetop level where we can see more of the forest. In order to do that, I bring in a lot of different uh aspects in the book so i have I'm bringing in basically uh you know psychology bringing in spirituality bringing in quantum physics bringing in philosophy so there's a, there's a there's a broad representation of other uh things in the book that help us to to realize that things are maybe not as they seem i also use probably over a hundred Really powerful quotes from some very wise people, from everyone from you know Albert Einstein to Socrates to Jesus to Buddha to the Dalai Lama, you know to Helen, Helen Keller, mm-hmm. um, to Martin Luther King Jr. So there's, I'm trying to, to to have people see that we we are operating through uh, a very narrow ego lens, personality lens, mm-hmm. and and actually who we are is a much more expansive self.
0: When we look at fears overall. Sometimes people don't realize that they actually have fear about something. Does your book talk about that? How we can recognize that there actually is fear there without our without our conscious mind knowing it? That's a
1: great question. So actually, you know, one of the the first chapters in the book talks exactly about that Mm. because we can't solve a problem unless we know what the problem is, right? So the first thing we have to do is we have to determine what our fears are. And so a lot of people know that okay, I may be in a fear of getting sick from COVID. I may be in a fear of losing my job. I may be in uh, fear over not having a significant other. But there's a lot of hidden fears that run underneath the surface like a like a computer virus and they mm-hmm. affect the operation of us. We're just not aware of it, but they're affecting all of our relationships, you know, how we interact in life, they're affecting our joy and our peace. So some of those fears could be, you know, fear of like uh, fear of failure, fear of not meeting uh, our own or someone else's expectations, fear of, uh, you know, um, Uh, not uh, having not being lovable or worthy, which is like tied to fear of not having a significant other. Mm. And certainly there's a large collective fear that a lot of people hold over the fear of death, especially as we age, you know, and our health deteriorates a little bit. What's going to happen at death?
0: when i When I think of this overall, there's a spectrum of fear. You know if we want to rate it from or rank it from one to ten, you know the ten is going to be the one that's so prevalent. we very obvious it's very obvious about it or very it's very obvious to us that we have fear about this. But then the ones or twos are like, kind of like the subtle ones that we're talking about. I do you give specific techniques for how people can can differentiate between, okay, well, I may not have to use this same technique for maybe a ten, but I need to use something different for a one or two. Do you help people recognize that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we talk about a lot of steps in the book, and each mm-hmm. after each chapter, there's there's definitely some quick steps that you can do to kind of recognize, you know, for instance, what are your fears, and, and then I, I make recommendations. So once we become aware of what our fears are, we have to start unwinding those, and we do that by bringing ourselves into the now. So, you know, quantum physics has shown us that time is not fixed, it's not linear. Wow everything is happening in the present moment so by bringing ourselves in the now fear is not uh possible to be in that state because our fears are things that we are either thinking about something in the past like why Mm -hmm. did i do that yesterday or especially in the future like oh my god this could happen these bad scenarios and and then what happens is is that you know like uh, buddha said you know with our thoughts we create the world so what we're doing is unfortunately when we stay in that fear state of worrying about the future we are energizing you know that possibility of happening. what we need to do is we need to bring ourselves back into the now and so you know some of the practices that we can do that are basically you know like practices like uh, meditation being in nature yoga dancing mm-hmm. painting uh, you know th- things that bring us into our body because all, all of our fears and, you, and you're aware of this, all of our fears are, are stored cellularly, their beliefs, mm-hmm. but they're also stored cellularly in our body. And so as we stay present in our body in the moment, we're able and do these practices, we're able to bring those fears up and release them.
0: Sometimes people don't realize that what you're saying is true. So let me give a quick example of that. Let's say you're in a boardroom and you're talking to, to your coworkers. And your your boss gives this incredible mandate that's too overwhelming. All of a sudden, you find that your shoulders start to tense up, and then for the rest of the day, you're like, "Oh my gosh, my neck really hurts." And what happens is, what well, what in psychology we teach, so whatever you perceive to be true, in other words, what your perception is about a situation determines what you feel, your feelings, and determine if what your body does with it. So in that particular situation, this person has internalized that fear and that anxiety, and they've moved that physically moved it to the muscles, and all of a sudden, it's stored there. So that's a really good uh, example of what what Larry's talking about when we. When he talks about it, it's things being stored on a cellular level. And going back to the previous thing that you said as well, in psychology, we also call it emotional forecasting. Emotional forecasting is when you take a snapshot of how you're currently feeling and you project that into the future and say, this is how my future is going to be times 10 times 100. And that's when we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's why things do often turn out in a negative way. Because like you said, we are are creating a world or a a paradigm or how we see the world with that negative spin. And therefore, we then become what we think.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, your boardroom example was was great as a short term example. But think about all the people that have gone through like trauma in childhood or or major trauma in, in relationships as adults or, or other workplace situations. And so, you know, we're, we're internalizing so much of that trauma, especially because as children, obviously, it wasn't like I got into therapy right after my abuse or I was able to talk about this or anything. So I really, you know, th- those we internalize those things and they're buried deep within us and they just affect our peace and joy. And we have to want to say, you know, I, I want to have a different life. And so something like the boardroom example is great because these are all pointers. And, and once you start to, it's like you're, uh, you're peeling an onion and you start to peel the layers and you're going to get to the bottom eventually. And you're going to have that much more expansive life of joy and peace.
0: You were talking specifically about the difference of of joy and peace when it comes to, the, obviously, the antithesis of fear. When How how do you help people reset from the fear to say, yes, I choose joy and I choose peace over fear?
1: Well, uh, you know, I really think it's, I use this example, it, unfortunately, it's kind of like the addict that hits rock bottom mm-hmm. and basically says, I, I can't do this anymore. Whatever I have to go through is going to be better than the life that I'm living. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's people that go through certain, uh, they go through like relationships. They'll have relationship after relationship with, let's say, a condescending partner or they're in a workplace situation, condescending boss or whatever. And these are all pointers for us. And at some point we have to say, I don't, you know, I really don't want that life anymore. And and when we when we set our intention to say we want something different, the universe really opens up and comes to our aid and helping to give us the tools to take a different path. And that could be a therapist that could be reading a great book that could be doing yoga, whatever it is, or it could be a combination, of all those things. So we have to, you know, it's, it really comes down to our will and our intention. And what do we want? And we have to say, I want to do it differently. And then we have to follow the steps that we're given.
0: Exactly. And I think that's a difficulty with, with sometimes when that happens is we, we want something different and we look for it. But sometimes we don't see it, even though it's right in front of us, or other times we do see it and we start it, but the consistency factor is not there. And Without consistency, then we know that we will not have change. Research states that it takes 66 times for somebody to do something to create a habit. People used to think it was 21 times, but it's actually 66. So when someone tries something new and continually tries it and and does it and is is successful with it, they'll find that the more often they do it, it intrinsically changes how they perceive the world. It can even change the, the, the brain elasticity to allow them to just see the world in a different way. So that's really cool. So it's so important to be consistent, though, when it comes to change, because without consistency, you will revert back to the previous person you were before.
1: Yeah. So like I'll give an example. I was very much had a victim mentality from my experiences and also from what I inherited genetically from my mother, because she was very much a victim. So I had to literally move into a move you know, from a of a victim energetic to a gratitude energetic literally, Mm -hmm. you know, huge number of times because what we've done is we've created these emotional pathways in our body that that, you know, that's easy. It's a big rut and it's easy to keep going down, but we have to start to move out of that rut. And that's what you're talking about, you know, this the the practicing of the habit. You've got to do this repeatedly and you're going to see the fruits of that as you start to do that. But you do have to do it consistently. It's the same as anything in life. If you're doing a business and you're only in an in and out of it, it's not going to be successful.
0: Exactly. How did you differentiate or how did you realize that you no longer had to become a victim?
1: You know, uh, and I talk a lot of in the book about victim uh, mentality. I mean, I've got a great, great quote from Helen Keller that basically who was, you know, obviously was deaf and dumb and blind and, and all, and, uh, uh, all these things. And so, you know, it's basically saying this doesn't make me feel good. Uh, it's just not it's not who I want to be because being a victim is is basically the most disempowering mm-hmm. thing you can it's do amazing. and 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 I want to be i want to be powerful in who i am i want to be powerful in who i know i who I know I am to be as part of a you know divine plan and all of this and it's just a matter of it's again it goes back to to my joy and peace and so what motivated me along this process was several things number one I wanted to be a much better husband and father than I was. You know, I didn't want to be an angry person. I want to be joyful and peaceful person. And, and I wanted to, uh, you know, just get the poison out of my body. I, I could just feel, you know, and I, it's, that's what still motivates me. You know, when it's there, it's like, hey, this is affecting my joy and peace and I, I yeah. don't want to be there anymore.
0: Yeah. And once again, you you made the choice before, but you walk that choice out every day by choosing to to see yourself in a different way.
1: Exactly. I mean, we're we're all, you know, universe is 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 very much a loving universe, and and you know, whatever you see as a creator or God is very much a loving and creator God. And, and it's it, it it it's we're being assisted greatly, and all we have to do is just follow the path. And a lot of people, you know, they get in defensive mode and they they try and uh, uh, not they, they they don't want to go into the pain. But but what you're what you're not realizing is that you know, we're creating a prison cell of our own mm-hmm. making, you know, by how we disempower ourselves, act like a victim, how we, you know, try and resist the healing that, that we're that's being brought to us. And so do you want to stay in the prison cell or do you want to walk into the light? So my suggestion is to walk into the light.
0: Yes, I agree with that. You know, I know some of my listeners may think, well, Larry, I have every right to feel, feel like I was victimized. It wasn't right what somebody did. And absolutely, you are perfectly right. You have every right to feel however you want to feel. You have every right to feel justified in feeling like a victim or being a victim. But the second part of that is, and then what? So you're, you're a victim, a person feels like they're a victim, and then what? You still have to live your life. You still are accountable to yourself to determine what you're going to do with your life. And so with that, I really want my listeners to know that know, that we completely understand where you're coming from as far as being a victim, and rightly so. And we also know that you have something more in you that the world needs to see. So when you make the choice to become a victim and thrive through that, and perhaps even create a legacy of some sort to move from that, pain, that past of pain to a life of abundancy.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it it was a process with my mother and my mother's been deceased 15 years and and I had to, you know, it wasn't like I could actually ever talk to her about that, but I had to go through a bunch of anger and, you know, non-forgiveness. And then I came into a state of forgiveness because when we're not forgiving of the other person, then again, it's, we think we're punishing the other person, but we're actually punishing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, because we're not going to, we're not going to live the expansive life of joy that's possible. It's a huge release to let go of, you know, of anger and non-forgiveness. And I've actually have a chapter in the book on forgiveness, and I talk Mm -hmm. a lot about these things.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. We only have a couple more seconds, but can you give us one of the insights or one of the techniques that you offer your readers after they read one of your chapters?
1: I think basically uh, it would be going into um, j- just becoming aware of how we project onto others. So it, it's, you know, it's the term mindfulness and we always, that's a pretty common term, but it's really paying attention to like, oh, you know, I'm judging this other person. Maybe that's a projection of self-judgment or mm-hmm. I'm am I really angry for the reasons I think, you know, in this situation.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so important because the more awareness you have, then you can make a choice. We often forget, but in every situation, we always, always, always have a choice. And choice in what we're going to do or choice in how we're going to internalize it or how we're going to experience that. So always keep that in mind, my listeners, is that you always have a choice in everything you, you do. Exactly. Well, we only have literally a couple more seconds here. The time flew by. You and I could talk about this all day. (laughs) (laughs) So Larry, if my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your amazing book, a book on fear, feeling safe in a challenging world, where would they find this information online?
1: So the the book is available through all the either paperback or ebook through all the online sellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, you know, Apple, all those things. And so you can also go to my website, the easiest way to get to my website is to go to a book on It's also lawrenceduchin.com, but a book on will take you to the website. You can click off of that and go to uh, the Amazon site to purchase the book if that's where you want to purchase it.
0: Excellent. Well, my listeners also know that if you're not able to find Larry's information any other place, simply go to the show notes in this particular episode entitled A Book on Fear with Larry Duchin at JamesMillerLifeology.com, And I will connect you directly with Larry and also Amazon. Larry, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I truly appreciate your expertise.
1: Thank you, James. I appreciate you having me on.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today.